始めLegionaries, this is General Lance, uh, joined here with me with uh, Peter Rangel, who is a uh, National Guard intelligence officer, um, also fellowship poster on the internet. I'm very glad to have him on. Thank you for coming, brother. Uh, thanks for having me. It is a, an honor to be here, and uh, I'm sorry that uh, it took a lot of technical issues to get us together, but hey, we're here. Uh, it's part of life. You know, they're always attacking yeah. our comms. You know, that's how it works. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, so obviously we've known each other for a long time. And if anyone is uh -huh. familiar with your work on the, uh, you know, Twitter and, you know, between shitposts and actual real talk, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of things are going on in the world. Let's just say that. And I think um, yep. a lot of stuff can be lost in the void of information warfare, especially because of false signals being given off by both NATO and CSTO forces and so on. But uh -huh. we don't really know what's going down. And uh, I wanted to lean on your expertise and just go crisis by crisis because there's uh, four crises going on in the world right now, and it feels like what? on the Only? precipice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, way more, you know. That's on yeah, our yeah, radar. Yeah. And um, you know, with the, I guess we'll just start with the Russo-Ukraine war, and then we'll kind of work our way through. Uh, but I wanted mm -hmm. your general opinion before we get into any specific um, crises for anything like that. What your feeling of the American empire or the, you know, de democratic, uh, the, 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 the oligarchs, you know, the, the global American empire, if that makes sense. So what's the status? Uh, the, in, the international liberal order, rules-based order and all that? Yeah, exactly. If you could just uh, give us a um, rundown of its sta uh, status, that would be great before we start. Uh, essentially, the uh, you, you could say the American empire, the global empire that it, uh, that is the United States, uh, ended at the same day and time as the USSR. Um, after that, there was a, no nemesis. There was nothing. There was uh, we, uh, the peace dividend that was to be uh, turned in or uh, returned back to the United States never really did. And ever since then has really accelerated the downfall of the states. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and as far as your so I'm a huge uh, Cold War appreciator, if that makes sense. I, I yep. do a lot of research. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually reading a lot of um, uh, declassified files on Senator Joe McCarthy, mm -hmm. finding out a lot of yeah. the things that he said was he was great. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, but I wanted your opinion as far as like what is the rules-based order for me? I think that they're basically Gramsciite communists. But what do you think, and from your perspective? What would you well, I mean, the, the the issue at hand really is the rules are whatever they want them to be. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, it I mean, yeah, it could be it could yeah, it could be communism, socialism, whatever. Mm -hmm. it, it's whatever they want them to be that empowers them, and that's what it is. So they're very Machiavellian, just kind of um, oh, yeah. self interested yeah, yeah, yeah. people. Mm -hmm. They don't give a damn about yeah. ideology. See that? No, no, <laughs> they don't have. They don't really have an ideology though. 
they're they are um they are more their ideology as you would say was if you could say is to their to them and their power and continuing their, that power mm-hmm. i see i see mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense i mean for, for me i guess you know, it's kind of one of those things I have endless debates on, but I don't want to get too squashed down in the quagmire. But as far yeah. as I'm concerned, GWAT and the associated events which have happened in the last few years have really mm-hmm. undermined the legitimacy of this oligarchic order. And um, I feel like, maybe um, you might disagree, but the military and economic readiness of the United States and its accompanying client states, which are in the EU and so on, are really not mm-hmm. prepared for a, a confrontation between us and a block with Iran, uh, you know, PRC and Russia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, would you agree, disagree? What What's your personal opinion about all that stuff? Well, so essentially, nature of horrors of uh, a vacuum, right? So, um, if we are on the decline, whom is on the on the upswing, right? Right. Um, so that makes one think that maybe it's a little bit more, maybe it's bigger than, than just like nation states that there are organizations and, you know, and I'm not trying to sound conspiratorial, but like trans, you know, national organizations that are really the ones in power and they're just using nation states to get what what they want. Mm. So, I mean, I guess that's interesting because it feels like no matter, you know, if one gets clobbered or the next get clobbered, it really doesn't matter because it's this floating aquaponic elite that needs, mm-hmm. to, yeah. needs to be crushed. Yeah, so, and so, so, here, so like, here's a good example, right? So the, U, the Russian-Ukrainian war, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Russia shouldn't invade Ukraine. You know, war is bad. Mil, you know, millions are dead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, who's the who's the biggest winner of, out, of, out of all this, right? It's, you know. Defense contractors, exactly. you know, transna- transnational uh, um, defense contractors, and also a little small nation uh, along the Caspian Sea that people really don't like to talk about um, <laughs> be- uh, be- uh, because they are they pay very well when it comes to lobbying and to keep their name out of the news or if it's in the news to make it sound like uh, it. It uh, smells like roses. So. Right, of course. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, they can shit on your plate, but don't tell me it's a burger. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and so to make sure, I mean, you know, to be perfectly clear, I am talking about Azerbaijan. So. Right. I know what you're talking about. So, yeah. it's actually interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, the Nagoh, but I forget how you pronounce the goddamn place, but it's interesting that they oh, can yeah. get away with um, ethnic cleansing of our Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, people just yeah. don't even bat an eye. They don't care. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a quite prominent uh, shield for uh, Azerbaijan on Twitter. I don't necessarily follow him, but he does pop up in my uh, feed every so every so often. And so I got to dunk on him and you know uh, report on the whatever human right index that they publish, whatever uh, international organization does. And, and I'm like, hey, look, Azerbaijan has like a one. Armenia is at least a uh, Armenia is at least a fifty. Right. Uh, you know stuff like that. Yeah. Right. No, you know, it's funny because it's like, um, I, I, I don't want to get too far into it, but it seems like there are a lot of people yeah, out here, uh, the internet getting paid to uh, shill for things. And yes. Like, where are my deal yep. bucks? Where are my, where are my big bucks? I know, bucks? man. God damn I know, it. man. I, man, I, 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 I mean, where's my, where's my Musk dollars? I actually pay Musk for internet too, you know, so I'm yeah, like, what ex- the hell? Exactly. No, no, no. But 
Alright, so I mean, I'm sure you've seen what's been going on as far as the Avgivka pocket, and um, I kind of wanted to get mm -hmm. into the military technics, um, aside from politics itself, about the war and about the Russian war machine, and what your okay. appraisal of the Russian war machine has been in the campaign, mm -hmm. um, and how do you feel will be, I guess the conflict seems like it's circling the bull, how you think the conflict will end, and so on. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, I mean, do you have a like a do you have a general question? Do you have a specific question, um, or just kind of like do you just want me to like start like yeah, freewheeling? Just, just okay. give okay. us the uh, Kurt Cobain shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. The uh the Russian military, uh, even when it was a Soviet military, really wasn't that good. Um. Mainly because of uh, issues when uh structure uh the NCO versus the officer corps. So the lesson uh Russian the Soviet army russian army is not based around the nco as it is in the american or western army it's based around the officers so officers are the ones who actually do the work and ncos kind of do whatever right they're the um, um the cannon fodder you can say so that makes some very interesting doctrinal and structural issues and systemic issues in your military so um um it's it just it is what it is so that's what they are um and then fall of the Soviet Union, you have the less access to money and all that loss of pride. And yeah, so the Russian military just isn't that good because it represents a nation that is inherently on the decline. So it's hard to it's not, you know, it's hard to grow. It's hard to have a, a functioning military with like a sense of pride and such. So it's not. um it's not an army that you would think of or so, in, in, in Western standards, right? Mm -hmm. But does not make it does not um, make it a weak army or a army that cannot uh, accomplish its objectives. Mm -hmm. um, wh whether how messy the, it is, how they do so, um, it is still a, 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 it's a potent army because it has access to a lot a lot of, of equipment. Um, they're not quite as uh, squeamish about killing or uh, soldiers dying. And their way of fighting, um, their concepts of um, deep strike and such uh, are interesting. Um, they're different than Western uh, thoughts. And because they're different, it's very hard for Western military thinkers to um, challenge it, right? Because they're used to fighting Western way, in, in, a, in a Western way. Right. Well, the, the Soviets and Russians have their way, good, bad, or indifferent. But for some reason, military uh, Western military leaders think that, well, the Western way is obviously superior. So they don't really think about how to challenge uh, the, the Russian way um, because why, why should they? Because it's so why even, why even bother, uh, right? And I think yeah, the, the um, interesting thing is that we, we assumed that the Gulf War was an indictment on Soviet doctrine without actually thinking yeah, that maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. it had nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Because I think the yeah, exactly, army yeah. sucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the Russian army, I mean, they they were thrown together, conscripts and, and convicts and such. And the, the drive to, I, I'm still trying to understand why. You know, they they drove on to, to Kiev like that. Uh, doctrinally, I don't I don't see it. I don't understand why. The, it makes no sense. Um, it seems to as if they wasted a lot of equipment and manpower for just a, a egotistical reach of a maybe chance that um, uh, he would uh, either either uh, uh, flee and, uh, or uh, give up at that time, and then 
that just became very strange. So that a true analysis of that, not sitting here on Twitter and you know talking about oh Putin's a dumbass and you get all these right. you know armchair armchair generals from the last <laughs> who couldn't want who couldn't win shit during GWAT right. um, talk about uh, Russia. Um, you know, a true analysis of of that operation would be very interesting to read in the future. But no, I, I have no interest or care to read about these armchair generals and their <laughs> interpretations beyond dunking beyond dunking on them. So yeah, no, of course, of course. And I mean, yeah. the interesting yeah. thing to me, I mean, I've, I I've really enjoyed reading a lot about deep uh, uh, deep operation doctrine and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and uh, seeing how it would play out. And I, I, you know, my personal take on it, it has to do with just that the entire uh, pincer movement from the north, I think, mm-hmm. was always meant to be kind of a diversionary stratagem to kind of throw Kiev into a loop, and obviously it didn't, because obviously they put up a, yeah. a, subst- a substantial defense, which actually has held uh, mm-hmm. the Russian yeah. forces at a halt. Um, I think yeah. the most interesting yeah. thing I just read, um, you know, forgot. And, and the, I mean, and, and people forget, like people forget, like when you're fighting for your nation and your homeland. You, I mean, you will put up a very stiff, stiff uh, resistance. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Soviets did. Mm-hmm. No, of course so, yeah. they did. Yeah, no, and I mean, they're they're yeah. tough bastards. I mean, I've uh, spent some yeah. time in uh, Eastern Europe, and uh, it's it's pretty funny what they'll do to uh, to each mm-hmm. other over the the smallest thing. So, I mean, like these guys yeah. have got balls, you know. I think everyone has bravery, and it's interesting mm-hmm. that you mention uh, Russian doctrine as far as the emphasis on the NCO in the West, vice uh, the officer mm-hmm. corps in the uh, the East, and I, I I mean I have a slightly different read. I am by no means like a Russia shill, of course. I'm you know I'm American. Yeah. I'm pro America, but I would say that they're like aside from their demographic issue, I think they're on the ascendant. I think that their economics are ascending, uh, strangely enough, and it seems that they actually have room in their budget and a more robust economy than ours, or at least what we thought was possible, of course. And I was, uh, you know, thinking because, uh, just to segue into this question, because it seemed to Mm -hmm. us since the 1990s that the concept of (laughs) industrialization was like a a wayward time kind of concept. However, we're seeing Mm -hmm. countries like the PRC and Russia who have Mm -hmm. hard capital uh, investments take place that somehow we're going back to the idea that maybe we should reindustrialize. Maybe we should yes. uh, care about these kind of things. Could you give me your take on that? So when I, when I was saying like the, the describing Russia as like not necessarily growing, I was, I guess I was kind of referring to more in like the population sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, TFR. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's has a barely a replaceable um, uh, birth rate. Is that, I'm, I'm tracking. Is that, does, does that correct. sound right? That's correct. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, they're, uh, I mean, their economy, you know, they have a kind of economy and, all, and such. Um, but yeah, but you can have an economy, but who's going to, you know, man. produce the jobs. If no one, man, man, right. Right. Um, and so it's funny that you bring up the nineties. So, um, in an, in, in a, the, uh, the quick liberalization of the economy in the nineties that, uh, an attempt really a smash and grab of capitalism, uh, of the West, um, is why do you have Putin in the first place? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, if people remember, the Russians remember what happened after the, uh, the USSR broke up and Western nations came in and tried to liberalize, liberalize their economies. Mm-hmm. And the, it was devastating. Mm-hmm. And those memories are still lingering. And that is why Putin won and keeps winning. Mm-hmm. You, you, I mean, people can, people can cry election fraud all they want. But people's memories of the 90s are long and deep. 
And, and I think that's not people. A lot of people take for granted. And I think, in my personal opinion, the under the underlying ideology of liberalism, let's say, which is mm -hmm. neoliberalism, which incorporates <laughs> neocons and liberals as such. Mm -hmm. I think it's being extreme. It's on the downturn. I think it's like this is the last generation that'll be a major force, and I, I mean, I personally think mm. that's a good thing. And I'm not. I don't think it's really hopeful thinking. I think a lot of people, especially in emerging countries, really reject liberalism as a total mm. ideology or philosophy of life. Now, I mean, if you want to transition and pivot to Syria and to the proxy mm. conflict in Yemen and uh, Israel, do you have any basic? things to talk about that specifically because it seems to me that these things are related, um, you know what i mean oh yeah oh yeah they're all related uh i mean so i'm trying to think a little about my history of yemen but i mean yemen essentially doesn't want you know there have been fighting the saudis and uh for eons uh different tribes um and yeah so they are a proxy war between uh iran and saudi arabia iran pro provides them arms and munitions and they send missiles, uh, I'm sorry, they send very cheap missiles and drones to be shot down by very expensive Patriot missiles, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, protecting uh, refineries and other sensitive sites in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, that, so that, so the Yemeni's uh, civil war is being, is a proxy war. And it's horrible because um, they're suffering. The Yemeni's people are suffering. Um, you know, uh, there are, there the, they're suffering at the hands of the Saudis and they're suffering at the hands of the Iranians. And so they're just being used as pawns and, and their and their great game of uh, trying for dominance of control of who is going to be in charge of the Middle East. And um, and then when you kind of when then when you pivot to Syria, Syria is just I mean, just a giant shit. So what you know, left, right, <laughs> everywhere. So like, you know, so. Yeah, I, mean, I mentioned earlier um, kind of what began my transition from what you would consider the um, the the American man, American soldier, uh, you know, believing in everything being told by the military, the patriotism, all that kind of stuff. And uh, Arab, the Arab Spring and the administration's reaction to it really started making me ask a lot of questions. And the Syria Syria situation was was one of them. And. I started asking myself, like, why are we attacking Syria? Like, where does that have to do with, like, where is that in GY? Like, how, where does that in the, in the resolution that was passed by Congress? And, you know, and, and when you see it as, again, a proxy fight between Russia and the United States, well, that makes sense. Well, because Syria is uh, a client state of Russia, has been, you know, in its uh, empire right before it was a Soviet Union, um, as a port state, as a port uh, in the Mediterranean. Simple as that. Very, very simple international relations, foreign policy, real politic type stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, very simple stuff. And um, they, um, when the Arab Spring kicked off, right, it gave, it, it was just kind of like when 9-11 uh, happened, it gave some people the leeway to do things, um, that being trying to uh, replace uh, Prasad because they won uh, they didn't like him, and because he's an ally of Russia, and uh, and two, because um, you know of his, you know certain actions of the civil during the civil war, right? They you know they see him as a butcher, they see him as using poison gas, and so um, you know it it gave the green light 
to certain forces within the U.S. military, U.S. government and European governments to to do certain things to try to overthrow him that that uh, blew up in our faces. And um, that is possible. The, the, the inability, the inability to overthrow Assad or, uh, is a huge black eye to American foreign, foreign policy. Of course. The, the fact that he is still in power, right? Yes, I got it. His country is kind of divided between all the certain camps, um, you know, is a huge black eye. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that the U.S. government, I mean, the whole movement of money and uh, funds and uh, munitions to groups that were terrorist organizations, right? Um, you know, and that were they get they were given the thumbs up by the former John McCain and um, Lindsey Graham. You know, that's you know that's that again. That's a huge black eye. Then on top of that, right? On top of that, right? You have the largest, one of the largest um, human migration, suffering, whatever you want to call it, in human history, going on because of the 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 uh, what became the Arab winter. Um, what happened in Libya, uh, what then drove Syria is just this large, then it led to this large displacement of, uh, of, uh, Medi- first Northern Mediterranean, then later, um, mid Africans into the belly of Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Totally destabilizing the nation or the, the, the European uh, continent. And there you have Turkey. Turkey and playing with his strings, you know, trying to play both sides. Of course. And it seems like they're yep. leveraging the uh, ingress of Sweden into NATO as, as a kind of political. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Tur- uh, so Turkey, I truly, Ezeron is possibly the greatest destabilizing force in the Middle East, even more than Assad or anyone, because his, he is attempting to, to reestablish the Ottoman Empire mm-hmm. and will pull any string as necessary to make that happen, whether that is um, using refugees or migrants uh, as bargaining chips uh, with Europe or the EU, or again, doing the same with the accession of certain countries into NATO, right? He holds millions upon millions of refugees that have were created by the Syrian and Libyan wars. And he uses that as a means to get, gain a lot of leverage over Europe. You know, it's. It, I think. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm not partial to Erdogan either. But it's interesting that mm-hmm. they have such great statesmen. You know what I mean? I hope that the United States mm-hmm. returns to something like that because, uh, I mean, it. It is refreshing to hear of men talk about real politics and, and actual mm-hmm. like uh, conquest as opposed to the. I don't like the liberal pass. I don't like pacifism. I don't like this stuff. Life mm-hmm. happens when. Uh, you yeah. Know, when there's conflict, right? And so. I guess it, I, I kind of admire that in a way. Obviously, he's my adversary. I'm not, like, uh, fetishizing mm-hmm. him, but I, I kind of think it's interesting that people... You know, I hate Francis Fukuyama, a guy that said that the end yeah. of history were being put out to pasture. That's it. There's no more conflict. I hate him so much that... You know how demoralizing it is to read his books when you're 14 and you're, like, just <laughs> getting started at life? No, but anyway, I uh, think... Um, I, I, go ahead. I think, I, think, I think the death of Henry Kissinger, um, you know, while it you know, became, like, a game or a meme... You know, and the, and and people's reaction to it. You know, press has to spit and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's a it's an ending of an it's an ending of an era, one that you may not agree with, mm-hmm. one that you may not you may you be totally against, right? Mm-hmm. But um, you are living currently, good, bad, or indifferent, in the world that he helped shape 
in the 60s and 70s. Wow. And that, and that is powerful, right? His uh, acceptance and uh, or him pushing, pushing for identity between the United States and the USSR meant there were to be no New Year War, right? Mm-hmm. His, him uh, embracing and, and pushing real politique into na- uh, national pol- uh, foreign policy is why um, it was more important for America to win than, you know, our ally, than to you know, point fingers at our allies when they committed atrocities, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason why Iran-Contra occurred, right? Um, so, you know, I would love a return back to the days of a real politique and away from this type of liberal, uh, bleeding heart foreign policy. Me too. Holy shit. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. Like, you know, country A has very clear, uh, foreign policy goals and, uh, needs or whatever. Mm -hmm. Country B does the same and... In all irony, it leads to more peace than... One might yeah, think, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Because it's and, actually and then, addressing the reality of life. But go ahead. Yes, and, and, and so then you know you you go and enforce, or you go tr- and try to fulfill those things. And if your allies, um, you know, butcher a couple thousand people, well, golly, gee willikers, you know, it's either that, it's either it's well, it's either that, or our, our entire nation is uh, you know consumed by nuclear fire. So what are you, what are you going to do? Right, right. I mean, it really isn't. It's not not much of a dilemma, you know. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, and I'm being I'm being somewhat sardonic, but yes, I, we need more uh, real politique in uh, foreign policy in the United States. I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah. So, I mean, moving on here to obviously we're mm-hmm. talking about this these conflicts connected, and uh, I wanted to, which is something from my Marine Corps background, is constantly harped on for mm-hmm. 10, 20 years. Um, a big, uh, you know, poor, follower poor of, Marines, man. <laughs> General Spalding and uh, stealth war and so mm-hmm. on, and uh, the coming crisis with Taiwan. Now, it doesn't okay. seem to me that it seems like the, the PRC's uh, MO is to actually take offensive action. I think they want to do through unrestricted warfare from, you know, I think uh, it's uh, Colonel Yang. I forgot his name. I'm sorry. I apologize. So I won't even bother. But basically the yeah. idea that I think the Chinese will actually do a long-term plan of, you know, systemic destabilization, economic warfare, uh-huh. and so on, and uh-huh. arrive at a diplomatic outcome as opposed to taking effective military action. I mean, what, what do you think with the Taiwanese crisis? What, what's your read on that situation? So, okay. So let me just make sure I hear you right. Okay. So you're saying that the, that the PRC, the CCP is kind of taking the long, the long view and um, they're, 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 yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, and they're willing to wait out the United States or whatever um, in order to gain Taiwan or do whatever. Right. Is, is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. Like they're doing a long game. Yes. So, I've kind of gone back and forth about that, right? So the issue at hand, and and, and I think that people don't quite understand the, or it's hard to understand the impact of it um, because it just was so foreign to Western uh, uh, ideals was the one-child policy, right? So, um, you know, one-child policy, I, mean, uh, I can't remember the exact dates, but that is what uh, Google is for. Um <laughs> Uh, so the one-child policy essentially said that um, because of overpopulation or population size, um, people could only have one child, and it lasted from 1979 to 2015. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so what it did to the imbalance or the balance of you know what a healthy 
um, demographics looks like um, is really going to be the biggest driver in any decision making process that the Chinese make. All right. So um, because men were more valuable than women, uh, more men exist in China than women. Right. <laughs> okay. All right, so then, well, that leads to a mismatch in marriages, right? So that means there's not enough women for men, right? Okay, um, their economy is kind of going down right now because it's so much tied to um, to real estate. Okay, mm-hmm. so what are you what are you to do with millions upon millions, if not hundreds of millions, of men who have no marriage prospects um, and no economic uh, security? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, and then. Right. Um, who range in age from born from 79 to, uh, 2015. So at some point, you know, like this block of almost like they're, they're almost, uh, a, uh, a, a, a weapon system themselves, right? There are a block of men, right? Of military age, right. they will age out. They will age out at some point, meaning being they will be too old to do something. So I think China is a is a little bit more time constrained than 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 you think. Okay. Um, you know, I don't think they have all the time in the world, and it's because of their their demographics. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, they're going to so so what's this? I'm trying here. So seventy nine to 20, okay. So that's the uh, millennial like look, Gen X, like late Gen X millennials, and and on. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so essentially, like the people who fall RG, RGY, right? So think about that, right? At some point, like, um, you know, I was born in the early 80s, okay? I'm near the end of my military career. Um, so what does that tell you about timeline aging the population in China and what they can do going forward? I say they probably have 30 years um, they to, um, to do whatever they want to get done. If that's take over Taiwan, if that's to do, you know, take over Indonesia, whatever, whatever their long term foreign policy goals are, I think is uh, 30 years is 30 years is probably what I'm looking at. OK, because just because if you look at dem- if you look at demographics, you look at who's going to be fighting wars. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the numbers coming out are true. Then I think 30 years is probably going to be their max. So uh, I, I don't want to interrupt you because I want to just actually yeah. comment. It seems like, uh, you know, in the Russo-Ukraine war, how old the huh? uh, servicemen are. Uh, do you think yeah. that modern, um, how do you say, I guess innovations in warfare kind of put less of a strain on the age cap and maybe we're starting to see older uh, veterans, yeah. I guess, kind of fight and actually be reliable service members to actually prosecute a war? So I, I can talk about this uh, personally because some of the work I do uh, uh, professionally and some of my own curiosity. Um, so, yeah, the U.S. Army, right? Let's take that as an example. Um, it's shrinking. It's getting smaller. It's uh, in state. Uh, I'm sorry. In strength is growing smaller each year, uh, faster each year than expected. OK. okay. Uh, and it's dropping to tens of thousands. Right. So in order to combat that. There is this push for increase in automation, autonomy, automation, and AI, right? And so, yeah, so going into and, – and then they are, desi- they're, they are fielding the Army of 2030 while designing the Army of 2040. Each, each, each iteration um, more robotic, more, more uh, autonomous, and, and much more uh, ingrained into AI 
So therefore, making one person as powerful as six, I'm just saying, right? So, you know, you'll have like, you know, drone, uh, massive drone strikes and, you know, all this kind of stuff that, you know, that you see, right? So, yeah, so going into the future, yes, you know, an individual will become much more powerful because of what is at their disposal. Um, it's called it's called uh, human machine integration. It's a really cool, interesting uh, topic to, to 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 look into. Um, the problem is um, who like how they so well for China it's a little bit different. But so yes, that's going to occur. But who can afford it? Is like how quickly how quickly can it be fielded? Um, and then, like, the viability of it, right? I mean, these ideas and concepts and doctrines are great until they're tested, and then they turn out to be shit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are, yeah, so there are pushes to um, to address the aging of the world population. But, again, it hasn't really been tested. Uh, and, again, I these see. doctrines are been, and, the, and, the, and these doctrines and these concepts have been written now, unknowing of what the situation will be in 20 years. I mean, like the, the, the army wants to electrify all of his vehicles. Okay. I mean, all, like all, like all weapon systems, everything. Okay. Really? okay. Like what the hell is it? Yes. Okay. So what is that going to do? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then is China going to do the same thing? Right. Will, will China, you know, because of, you know, it, I mean, is does China see global uh, climate change uh, the same as we do? And, you know, even though they're building more coal plants than ever and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, are they going to electrify their vehicles? No, no way. Yeah. No shot. Yeah. They're, well, no, they're going to no. what they're going to do is what keeps them powerful or gives them the, the edge. Mm-hmm. Of course. I mm-hmm. mean, it, they're self-interested and I think they have a lot yeah. less uh, ideological constraints, which plague us. And mm-hmm. Speaking of Kissinger, I, I love the fact that you brought him up because he actually wrote mm-hmm. some interesting books of diplomacy that sticks out in yeah. my mind. Um, and, you know, obviously I don't think he's, uh, you know, there are some interesting things about Kissinger and he's pretty controversial. I do admire his real politic and I do admire this and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his most, most interesting comment was, uh, if it were not for accident of birth, I would be anti-Semitic. It's pretty interesting how prescient <laughs> that is. However, to bring it full circle as far as, you know, the uh, when we're talking about the outfitting of, you know, militaries, of political uh, political and military doctrine, the imposition of political mm-hmm. ends, uh, it brings to mind... A, you know, a historical parallel, which is, you know, the late <coughs> empire, right? So you're, you're in the mm-hmm. six, 500, 600s, and they're facing the same issues, which is population decline. Um, actually, there's some information that uh, population was aging at the time because there was high mm-hmm. infant mortality, and yet there was long longevity comparatively for the mm-hmm. time. And so armies had to scale back in size. They had to emphasize uh, intrigue. They had to emphasize surprise and manipulation, diplomacy, and so on. And it feels like Mm -hmm. we're re-entering an age similar to that, where we have to emphasize Mm -hmm. our wits as opposed to sheer mass, which is what World War II was really about. Now, Mm -hmm. I mean, transitioning from that, it it seems like, um, and I wanted you to kind of, Tell the audience, I guess, uh, you know, what do you think the militaries of the world, conflicts in the world in the future will look like and what emphasis mm. will it be on? Because it seems like it will be a sim- like uh, something different from the, uh, let's say, mechanized maneuver warfare of World War II. Mm-hmm. Like we're finally moving past yeah. a paradigm like that. 
Yeah. So to kind of so to comment on your uh, bringing up the, of the the later Roman Empire, aging population, shrinking militaries, and such, right? Um, obviously, they su- succeeded, and to the extent that like they like their generation and genetics passed on, right? Right, of course. Like the okay, like um, their their culture. I mean, the the Roman Empire doesn't exist, but the people do. Okay. Um, because they were n- not bound to uh, American um, leftism, right? Mm-hmm. Which is uh, almost like self hatred of yourself, <laughs> and so, yeah. and so um, you know these Romans not being bounded or not having bounds such as that, and being much more about the desire to pass along their genetic material. I don't see that here in the states, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a huge issue. Um, do we have like the in, uh, inherent b- desire to pass on our genetic code um, and um, respond with, an, w- with a uh, smaller military, but a much more potent military? Do we? Right. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and so that's just something to think about. So in regards to your other question about how wars look like in, uh, in the future in other areas, well, yeah, look at the, the rebellion in uh, Myanmar, right? You're having rebels uh, print 3D guns to fight against the government. So, you, so I think that's a big aspect. I think you're going to see kind of like a decentralization of war. Um, you're going to you're going to see yes, you're going to see the the, the the printing of certain weaponry. You're going to see um, uh, uh, low scale um, uh, uh, low scale military operations. Um, I you're going to see a lot of like pro- you're going to see even more proxy wars. Okay. Okay. Um, you know the the idea that the United States military. Right now, or I'll say the idea that in 2025 that the U.S. military is going to roll in over the plains of Germany and invade Russia is absolute nonsense. <laughs> this, I'm glad you this, say this, so. This, this, <laughs> yeah, this, this, the same is true with Russia, right? Yeah, right. In, 2020, 20, in 2025, it is absolutely insane to believe that the uh, armies of, the, uh, of, of Russia are going to roll into Germany. It's absolutely insane. So what you're going to see is going to be border conflicts, you know, uh, you know, fifth generation warfare, little green men, uh, increase in cyber warfare. You know, it's not going to be clean. Um, it's not going to be, you know, definitely not going to be World War II. And so it's just going to be different. It's going to be a different era. Um, it's going to be less sexy in a way, uh, more spying and spooking. Um, Again, cyber, the ability to you know, use ones and zeros to affect the world, to affect the outside of the world. Um, you're going to see much more like homegrown type of actions you know, um, using um, the use of drones, of autonomous drones, mat, uh, swarm drones for attacks. I think there's going to be a big, a big thing. Um, and then motorcycles. I think motorcycles are like a, is a huge. I, I, I say this kind of randomly, but motorcycles really have demonstrated their ability for targeting, for the implementation of uh, drones, for um, uh, passages of message, messaging. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's going to be a return of the motorcycle to the, uh, to the battlefield, which will be very interesting. And speaking of platforms, uh, what's your opinion on armor and the, the new coming <clears throat> warfare? So, very interesting, because I'm very, because, uh, you know, I'm um, kind of plugged in to what's going on with the army's designs of 2030 and 2040 in the sense that like 
you know, I have access to certain websites and stuff. I can kind of look at it like nothing classified and right, quite Google right. it too. Right, right. Um, I don't know. I mean, the big five, right. That, that dominated the, the, the end of the cold war, you know, the, the Bradley, the Abrams, the uh, Apache, the, um, uh, uh, the, uh, the Patriot. And I can't remember what the fifth one was. Um, so the big five, they are entering what 80 years old as a, as a concept. So, I mean, are they still applicable? Well, according to the U.S. Army, the Abrams tank is, I mean, will be the Abrams tank, but maybe just with the uh, electrified, right? Right. Okay. Um, I think the Bradley is getting 100% replaced uh, with what? I'm not sure. The Apache, okay, so it's a helicopter. The con- like, so how do you change that much? Really, it, what it would be replaced by would be drones, autonomous uh, swarm drones, right? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean, I, I, you're going to see the it's you're going to see the uh, the platforms change or go away, um, but what the mission sets they would fill stay the same. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. Um, I, I, I I don't think the tank in itself is going away. I don't I, I don't know why people will think that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I was very I was very surprised why the the, the Marine Corps gave up all their tanks. Um, right, and, and and then no, no. go ahead. So go ahead. No, yeah, you go ahead because it's your input because you're a marine and all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I, from what I understand, the, the idea was that basically the logistic chain for the Abrams was too high, as well as the fact that basically we didn't have the best, um, you know, Abrams <laughs> types and also yeah. money constraints, and basically yeah. the way that literal warfare is going to be like waged it seems like you know a lighter tank platform would have been best and i mm. think they just decided mm-hmm. to like cut it you know kill that kill that you know stuff that baby quickly so mm-hmm. that way people don't like uh, get up in arms about it but it's that's their opinion it's not mine you know what i mean i got gotcha. you um i mean they uh, the, the u.s army is building and adopting what would be called a medium light tank or something like that mm-hmm. um and so it's not replacing the Abrams. You know, it is there to um, complement the Abrams. And I'm trying to, I, I took a bunch of, uh, I got some notes somewhere from where I was taking it. But yeah, so yeah, it's like just a smaller tank that could fit in like a certain um, certain um, uh, airframes. Yep. So I actually have a uh, question for you. Um, mm-hmm. As far as yeah. IFVs are concerned, um I'm, know, I'm sorry. What? Uh, I, you say again? Infantry fighting vehicles are concerned. Oh, I see. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering, in your opinion, like, why is it that you know there are tra- uh, tracked mechanized units and then there are wheeled like the strikers? What, what, what's what's up with mm-hmm. that? Can you explain to us why? To be honest, I mean, that's the same question I, I I still have. Like, why you know the you know, the Soviets use tracked and they use wheeled. Right. Right. Um, a lot of that has to do with like terrain. Really, it's based. It's really a terrain based uh, decision. Um, you know, one's better on one side, uh, type of terrain, another set's better on other side, another type of terrain. I see. That's really what it boils down to. That's really what it is. Huh. Okay. Um, you know, that, that, I mean, that's why you know that's. I mean, that's why that's why tank, so that's why tanks have treads, right? Right. Uh, and uh, when they try to put. <laughs> When they try to put uh, a cannon on a vehicle with wheels, it tips over. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that yeah. makes sense. I mean, I remember there, there was the uh, 120 millimeter striker, like direct fire mm-hmm. cannon stuff. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I guess uh, moving on to our last point here, can you mm-hmm. explain to us what's going on in Guyana? I have no idea what the fuck's going oh, on. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think <laughs> no, not it. No. <laughs> no uh, so the only okay, the only reason I know what's going on is because uh, I uh, did a longish type of shit post uh, on someone mm-hmm. um, regarding their opinion that if Venezuela invades Guyana then we should respond militarily, right? right? And so I had to, you know, 20-year career military. Uh, I have had four shoulder surgeries in the last five years. Mm-hmm. I currently have a reverse total shoulder replacement in my right shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am old and bro- broken down. I have PTSD. Uh, I have uh, lost uh, friends and colleagues, not only through direct combat, but through the ravages of PTSD, mm-hmm. right? So I do not take the application of U.S. force lightly. Mm-hmm. And people go online and say, if X, Y, and Z happens, then use the U.S. military. I will very quickly, very quickly jump um, uh, with both feet down your shit. <laughs> um, um, the only, the, with few occasions, if, uh, if the U.S. military were actually unleashed against the drug cartels, I would actually support that. Um, so I do believe in the Monroe Doctrine and all that and such. But the fact of the matter is we are we do not have the capabilities. We do not have the military force, nor do we have politicians who are willing um, to make the um, domestic foreign policy decisions uh, required to uh, enforce the Monroe Doctrine. And because we don't and because we don't. We are not going to send young men and women down to a place that is just going to be Vietnam 2.0. And so anyone who says that we should, what they need to do is find their nearest recruiting station and sign up. <laughs> no, I, I, and I, 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 I am. That is quite possibly the most um, when when people who don't serve again, you know, it's fine. You know, you, know, you can have your own military opinion and all that stuff, right? Right. Of course. But then they throw around. They you, you throw around. Oh, we should invade this country. Oh, this you know, blah 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 blah. Oh, Russia needs to be turned into you know six nations. Oh, China, blah 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 blah. Like it's just you have, like you you what you're doing is telling a PFC from Iowa to go try and take a piece of land thousands upon thousands of miles away from home mm-hmm. when the air around them is surrounded and just full of metal their best friend just died beside them right just to just to, for just to um fulfill your whims or to validate your foreign policy idea no nah, I, I ain't having that no, it, I mean, I think you're absolutely correct, and I, I think one of the biggest issues and one of the, the main, I guess, thrusts of my project here with Lance's yeah. Legion is to build a cadre of men and women who will take mm-hmm. national leadership and use it with integrity to transform yeah. the huh. American culture to actually give rise to future generations of good men. I think that... Uh, the Greeks had this great term, which stuck with me since I was nine years old. It's uh, you know you you uh, you labor for a tree whose shade you do not enjoy, and that's something completely missing, completely missing mm-hmm. from uh, the American soul. Now, uh, mm-hmm. I, what I really meant to say with Guyana, what is your 
I guess, why, why is it happening? I just mean, like, overarching uh, okay. idea. Uh, I have no um, idea why the hell it's happening so, at all. So if, if I went correctly uh, just in, in passing, so, you know, Venezuela has had economic troubles because they, you know, keep voting in some people um, who just, you know, use uh, government power and government money for their own ends, right? Of course. And so, you know, you know socialist country. Um, you know, but also Venezuela sits on a very large amount of oil, right? But Guyana sits on even more, I think. And so uh, the, the thought process is for them to take over the country so they can have access to that oil revenue. Mm-hmm. I think I think I think that's what's going on. Kind of kind of like a uh, Iraq uh, Kuwait situation. I see. I see. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know. So I used to actually live in Brazil. I've actually traveled to the Amazons and it is the most inhospitable place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you think yeah. Vietnam was bad? Trust me, it's a, it's not a fucking joke. And uh, Guyana, yeah. for most of you who see on a map, it looks like a big penis, right? And mm-hmm. basically, it's inaccessible except for one dirt road all the way down to these gold mines as well. Uh, but to travel, uh, I guess, west to east in that country is actually harder than it is to travel north to south. And that's something that's going to be a major challenge for the Guyanese if they want to defend their country because of the fact that it's basically intraversible. And the, the territory that the Venezuelans are claiming are is effectively wilderness, right? And um, except for the coast, which is the, the, the kind of crux of the reason why that we're discussing here. But anyway, uh, as far as, you know, Guyana is concerned, I really don't know if Venezuela will actually invade um maybe it's possible yeah i, I think they, uh, so what happened to uh, i think today uh, can you hear me yes i can uh, all right um so i think today what happened is um they uh something was they um approved a referendum to take over a portion of Ghana. if that makes sense yes yeah and so like to actually they uh, you know what does that mean like nowadays like what happens if a bunch of Venezuelan oil workers just show up on this property, on this land, and start, start drilling oil and sending it back to to Venezuela, right? Mm-hmm. I so, mean, yeah. that that is the challenge. I mean, uh, it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see if we interdict, just like we did in Grenada, because yeah, I, but but can but can we? I, I don't think that's so. the question. I don't think so, yeah. and I think that you're absolutely right. right. I mean, look at the 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 U.S. surface navy is a total rust bucket, mm-hmm. bucket navy. So, uh, recently, collisions at sea at drill have been way higher than ever before. Um, the aging platforms of the service navy cannot compete with the increasing mm-hmm. needs for it, and also the advent of, of course, hypersonic missile technology and shore-to-ship batteries um, are something that we have to consider as far as like high in- capital-intensive platforms, which the navy and I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know uh, the military in general are fielding. And so, I mean, uh, people think, okay, what's the Venezuelan military? Yes, that's fine, but they're being advised <laughs> by Russian military assets, which are mm-hmm. actually c- extremely capable. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to get too far deep I... into things, but I, I just give you your closing thoughts as far as the state <laughs> of the world, well, if you can. Well, I don't want to. Say, I, I don't want to say people to believe that, like, you know, our our military is still powerful, right? But it's it's in a bad spot. Okay, like a, a very, very bad spot. Like, like China, the only reason China has the fighters they do is because they just steal our plans and then build them, right? Right. They, they, they have no, they have no 
uh, they had no capability to actually innovate. According to my wife's theory, is because that was uh, bred out of them during the Cultural uh, uh, Revolution. Right. Tom um, any, um, yep. uh, well, yeah. So, like, anybody who had independent thought or any of that kind of stuff was, like, all bred out of them, so then they can't uh, innovate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't want to go around and say, like, yeah, like, like, like our military is weak or whatever in, in that sense. But, like, we what we are is a smaller military with less capabilities because of um, that we cannot respond to any and all um, um, situations in the world. And the fear that a aircraft carrier coming down to your coast isn't quite the same nowadays because you don't know if it's going to be in port. You don't know if it's going to be in maintenance. You don't know if the commander is going to be relieved because of, um, because of um, also confidence, right? Right. So it's a little, it's a little bit different. We're, so we're still good. The people behind us are still pretty shitty. Um, but like, but that, that that shouldn't be good. Like that shouldn't be the goal. Like the goal shouldn't be like, well, we're, we're like we're like the best of the worst. We're like at least at least not bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you are right. Like our our navy is in horrible shape. Mm-hmm. Yes, that our bus buckets. Uh, I talked to the, the story came out about the Coast Guard having to t- cut ten cutters, and that's using and that's having a huge impact on operational ability. You have the op tempo of of the National Guard and active duty just e- exploding uh, above above levels uh, from the GY, and this is all having uh, an impact on our ability to respond to true crisis. I see. And, and uh, yeah. it, it's it, it's interesting that you say that because I, for one, I think that military should have a strong military in general. I think my uh-huh. personal commitment is that I think that uh, a military life for each citizen, I think conscription is good because it's more le- less about military capacity than it is about, in, you know, teaching uh-huh. uh, important values. Now, um, as yeah. far as the, 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 the problem with that is, right, conscription is if. If this was conscription of 1940, I would be for it. Conscription in 2024, I do not trust my government nor, nor the ideals that they try to push. Of course, of course, and I'm, I'm saying, I guess I'm saying ideally, yeah. not not right now. Yeah. Right yeah, now, yeah. I don't yeah. advise people to join the military because, just yeah, like you, you said, Peter, I have actually. So well, you know, uh, I've had I've had friends. Well, I've you know, I had one friend that took his own life. Yeah. And um, sorry, I, 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 I'm so, I'm so, I'm truly sorry to hear that. Yeah, no, it, it's. And I, I, I guess I know, what I'm trying I know, to I know say is, is for what you know. It's one thing if it's yeah. for a greater, a greater good for something, yeah. but it's, mm-hmm. it makes you ask yourself for what. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Oh god. Go ahead. Just, go ahead. No, it's just no, it's just um, like you know, sometimes I uh, you know, I just kind of deep dive into in certain people's um, Twitter accounts and especially those who would be, you know, considered GOPE. And, you know, they're, I mean, they're kind of like disdain for anybody who criticizes the Iraq, like, you know, for, uh, the, as they say, the, 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 the new right or the dissident right. Um, you know, they, their, their hatred of those people when they criticize, um, you know, how we did in Iraq, you know, and, and us labeling Iraq as a failure and, and so forth and all that, like, like, I, I just, it's disgusting. Like, just, I, uh, I, you know, these people who have no idea what we lost and for, and that we gained nothing, like, they live in some sort of imaginary, uh, imaginary world. Of course. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, um, 
Anyway, I just I'll leave it there because yeah. I, I think yeah. it's apt, apt. But yeah, it can get heavy fast. I understand. Yeah, sorry, uh, but uh, no, 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 no. But you know, here's the thing: is we're here to talk about mm -hmm. real shit, not just uh, pussyfoot yeah. around bullshit. Yeah. But yeah, last question: um, in your view, as you know, mm -hmm. humble soldier, citizen of the United mm -hmm. States, obviously longtime American patriot. How do you see the average guy making a good difference in his life, his fellow's life, and his country's life? Okay. So what I can say is, and it's fairly simple, build networks. Build a community. Know the people who, surround, who live around you. Um, doesn't matter if they have a hate has no home sign in their, in their land. Build local networks uh, with... Uh, complementary skills that when necessary can be put into place and protect uh, what is yours and theirs from whatever, whatever's coming. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then along with that is uh, go, go to the dentist, take care of your teeth and stay in shape. <laughs> I, mean, actually, like, yeah, I mean, if things are getting bad, take care of your teeth, go to the dentist um, and try and stay in shape. I like this. Like just you know, yeah, don't don't be don't be fat. Don't you know go run. You do whatever. Try to stay in shape and go to the dentist. Right. Those are the things I I would recommend. I think this is a good um, weekend libo brief as well. Uh, you you know you as an NCO. <laughs> yeah. You're as well. I guess you used to be an NCO, right? At some point. Uh no no I've always been an officer. Uh, oh yeah uh, yes. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> But I mean, <laughs> yeah, you told me yeah. this earlier. I'm so um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. And then I guess, I guess the other part of that is um, take care of your mind and the mental health of the people around you. Mm. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank mm -hmm. you so much, uh, Peter. I really appreciate. Oh it. yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. For, for hey, uh, before you, you get, uh, before before go you go, right? I, I got a quick question for I got, I got a quick question for you. Go ahead. Um, so, um, it, just in your opinion or from your uh, analysis, um. What of the uh, what of the U.S. government's military budgets? Okay, but what you know, whatever section or whatever, what section is growing the fastest, in your opinion? Like what, like what category? Uh, I would say maintenance of of various kinds. So contracting maintenance. Hmm. Okay. So maintenance is your answer. Okay. My, yes, that's my final answer. What? <laughs> What if I told you it was people cost? Really? And the and what? Yeah, and the implications from that. Well, what's the? How is that? How can you uh, expound on that? So, um, okay. So one is just pay, right? You got to pay soldiers, okay? Um, then you also have uh, medical care for soldiers and their families, right? And then you now start getting into social programs that are being pushed by certain you know organizations that. Um, grants, you know, certain abilities to do certain things, but it, people people are becoming more expensive inherently, and it is growing the the bud the budget the most. And what and what that means is there is less money for R and D. There's less money for training. There's less money for maintenance. People are becoming expensive. And really? so what again? Yes. And so what does that mean for national security policy? There's I mean there's a, I mean us growing to us getting to a smaller army could be good maybe for that in that sense. But, you know, um, people are driving the costs of, uh, the, um, DOD, even though the DOD budget is set to essentially freeze for the next several years. 
Sorry. Huh. Uh, well, aside mm-hmm. from uh, just a question, aside from obviously mm-hmm. the communist policies of DEI and all that crazy stuff, mm-hmm. when you say inherently more expensive, do you mean medical costs? I mean, I'm not talking about gender transition or some yeah. crazy shit. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, real uh, stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, real stuff. So, I mean, people joining the military, um, they're all kind of fucked up anyway, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the pool, the pool, the pool of Americans who can join, they're relatively small, so you're going to have to take people who need. You know, uh, I mean, the, the, there's a, you know, the push for met, uh, mental health care, right? And then, uh, you know, you add in positions that are, you know, of are they necessary? Like, does the battalion really need a sharp representative? You know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, people, like, whatever, you know, paying them money. So, if I, you, know, you know, interest rates versus annual pay raises combined with, you know, uh, essentially free health care for everybody. Um, you know, people are becoming more expensive to take care of. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, with that, I think uh, we'll leave it off at that. And I remember yeah. uh, the name escapes me, but you're usually on every morning on a certain. Oh, podcast. yes. What, what is it? Yes. Um, so uh, the group is called, let me give you the actual, um, uh, uh, the, <coughs> sorry. I. Uh... No, no problem. I always mess it up. So, um, so uh, it's called uh, the Council of Future Conflict. Um, so they they are uh, at future underscore conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, they have uh, podcasts um, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Typically, there I am on the, on Wednesdays. Uh, I have been having ha- uh, audio issues for some reason, and so that has limited my ability to get on. But yes, yeah, so they typically they're also on Rumble as well. Um, so um, they start out on uh, YouTube slash Twitter and then uh, move over to Rumble and Twitter. So that way they could be a lot more vocal on their opinions. Oh, good. Good. That's actually mm-hmm. very, yep. very good to hear. So uh, I'll make yes. sure to link the URL in the description box below. Mm-hmm. Please check okay. out uh, Peter Wrangle at uh, the yeah. uh, Peter, uh, Peter Wrangle Twitter handle, correct? Yeah, 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 at Peter Ringel, yeah. Perfect, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next time. Sound good? Yeah, sounds great, man. All right, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. All right, thank you, Legion.